Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm traveling right now. I'm in Massachusetts for one day, <laughs> one day um, to uh, see some beautiful fall scenery. Um, it's probably the first uh, sort of break, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's kind of a half break from a lot of um, the work we've been doing on our home in New York, trying to get it ready to move into. So uh, it's peak foliage right now. Um, and just uh, hopefully, if you're following me on social media, I'll try to remember to take some pictures and post them so you all can see uh, kind of what's going on. And uh, uh, it's funny, I, I actually went into town this morning to get a toothbrush because I th that's just how it works, right? Whenever you go away, even if it's for a night or two, you forget your toothbrush. At least I do. Uh, there's always something I forget, and usually it's the toothbrush. So got to go get a toothbrush. And uh, I walk into a um, CVS, and um, and uh, of course I forget my wallet, and I realize while I'm on the way, <laughs> and so I have to find a place. I've only done this twice in my life. I used Apple Pay on my phone, and so I ask him, "Do you have Apple Pay?" Yeah, they have Apple Pay. And then the guy at the counter goes, "You're not from around here, are you?" I said, "No," and he goes, "I could tell with that accent." <laughs> and I thought, I don't think I have much of an accent, but. Uh, there might be a slight southern. I mean, we we were living four years in the south, so maybe I picked up some of that, and probably all the country music I listen to. It, it probably uh, contributes a little bit, or else I don't know. But they they have thick New England accents where I am right now, and uh, it's just it's New England everywhere. So um, by the way, there's there's no better place to be. Uh, maybe Canada. I haven't been to Canada in the fall, but uh, New England fall. Um, and, and, and winter, uh, winter to some extent, Christmas time in New England, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, of course the places that still celebrate Christmas because New England's pretty pagan and, uh, unfortunately a lot of what used to be there isn't there anymore, but I do digress. Um, I wanted to talk today a little bit about Francis Collins and just what was, um, what has been, um, net now, I guess it's been a few days that, uh, his, the story of him leaving the National Institute of Health. Uh, has been talked about and examined, and I came across uh, an article that I thought was really good. In fact, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it to you. Um, first, I want to read for you a quote though. This is from Slate, Slate um, Magazine, 2009. So Francis Collins, um, for those who don't know, was the director of the National Institute of Health uh, under Obama, under uh, Trump, and now to some extent under Biden, and um, he's. He's been trumpeted by a number of evangelicals, including whom we consider to be more conservative evangelicals, as a very uh, positive. Um, it, well, his his being 
nominated to the National Institute of Health uh, and taking that position has been viewed as a very positive thing for evangelicals. Because look, there's this very professional and accomplished person and evangelicals can still compete with the big boys and uh, in science where you know it's very hostile to Christianity and they can do very well for themselves and be very successful. That's, that's kind of the takeaway. So um, there's been a lot of talk about what's kind of, why did he step down? What, what do we make of this? Um, and because the National Institute of Health is very corrupt. In fact, I was reading some stories about it. And uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I, I don't want to keep interrupting myself. Let's read the Slate comment that I, I wanted to read for you. So this is the quote from Slate in 2009. If Collins' faith mollifies even a few political conservatives who would otherwise continue to waste time and money fighting research efforts that violate their specific religious tenets, then the benefits of his faith should outweigh whatever qualms scientists might have. Now, I read this article from 2009, and it starts off with saying if there's a... Uh, DNA, uh, there's a gene for being a Boy Scout. Francis Collins basically has it. That's whom we should look to to find that because he's accomplished. He, he's a he's a good old boy. He's just really um, well, not not a good not not Southerners are going to hear that and think that's good old boy doesn't mean quite the same thing. He's he's a Boy Scout. He's a really clean cut. Just you can't find a flaw in this guy except maybe he's too good, right? He's a little too religious, but his religion. Is, is kind of acceptable. It's not, uh, he's not crazy. I mean, he believes in evolution. He doesn't think that life starts, at least he's dubious on whether or not life starts at conception. So he's kind of open to abortion. Uh, he's a lot like Obama. That's what the article said. And so he's palatable to evangelicals. He's palatable to uh, the left, the secular left to some extent because of his um, science background. So that's kind of the point. That's, that's how um, Francis Collin, when he got into the position, that's how a lot of people viewed him. Of course, there were some secularists who still didn't like him because he's a Christian, but or claims to be. But the fact is, you know, that's that's who he is, and that's uh, how most people viewed him. Now, now that Francis Collins is out, the National Institute of Health is is corrupt. I, I was reading some stories this morning. Um, even in the last two years or last year, you had what fifty scientists resign. Uh, last year amid, um, I mean, and the National Institute of Health was investigating some of this, but how did it get this far with foreign governments, especially China, being involved in paying people, uh, doctors, um, scientists in the National Institute of Health uh, to conduct um, experiments and do research and stuff. And you know where that research is going. Uh, there's um, in, in the, uh, for years, but really with the COVID stuff, this is really been amplified. The National Institute of Health has um, has been essentially making a lot of money every time. This situation right now, they're making a lot of money because not only are they the ones that are um, involved in doing some of the development for quote-unquote vaccines and treatments, but they are the ones issuing the licenses for these things. So they're making money off of it. And then with uh, private companies who want to use this technology, National Institute of Health is licensing it. Uh, in fact, you can go back 20 years and there's articles that talk about Fauci when he was uh, working for a, um, uh, well, he was working under the National Institute of Health for a different organization under them. But basically he was doing the same kind of thing. And so it's a corrupt uh, scheme that basically gives the National Institute of Health a lot of money. And they already have billions and billions and billions. So um, anyways, the point of this video isn't to go into the corruption, but I, I just want to let you know, if you go to DuckDuckGo, type in National Institute of Health Corruption, you're going to find a lot of stuff there. 
So this is the organization Francis Collin, the Boy Scout, right? The evangelical Christian is resigning from. Now, look, here's the thing. I was thinking of Daniel with this, right? Daniel, uh, we could say, was in a, a an evil uh, regime uh, working in, in that. But Daniel was uncompromising, right? And so I think there's a place for Christians who are uncompromising to be in positions of authority uh, in um, places where there's a lot of evil going on. But they have to take a stand against that evil, right? That's kind of the key thing. You can't just be okay with it when you have uh, the power to do something about it. And when you, um, when it's, especially if it's in your purview, if you have the responsibility to oversee something, then, uh, and you, and you don't, and you kind of look the other way, or you become part of the corruption, then that's where I think things get very wrong. And, um, and so uh, that's, that's part of this. And look, I, I, if you're powerless to do anything, if it's not in your purview, if it's not something you're directly responsible for, we can talk about that. There's not necessarily maybe a sin involved there. But if, but if look, if you're the director of the National Institute of Health and foreign governments are somehow um, on like almost a systemic level getting involved in uh, funding some of the scientists who are doing research, if you're paying yourself uh, all this money to do uh, development of um, treatments and so forth and making money every time there's a, there's a need for some kind of a treatment like the current situation we're in. Um, and there's ties even to a, a certain laboratory um, and gain of function research and these kinds of things. You, you got to start scratching your head. You got to start saying, you know, I, I don't think this is just ignorance. I don't think this is just someone who's um, kind of passively uh, and just ignorantly um, doing the best that they can in their position, but, you know, everyone around them is corrupt. You, know, you, you kind of have some responsibility when you're the director. All right, so let me read the article that I want to read for you. This is um, from Nate Fisher, who uh, writes for the American Reformer. And I thought this was just a really good article. And in the question that's coming up, this is the question I want everyone to think about. Are there certain industries that Christians should not be involved in? Are there certain positions, certain jobs? Christians just you know what? I can't take that job. It's too, it's compromising. Even if I just say yes to take the job. And does that mean that we are pushed out of the coveted influential positions because of our convictions as Christians? That's a question. And I think it's a question we really got to grapple with. We really need to be able to think through an answer because it used to be that you could pretty much do just about anything um, in the United States, anything that was legal, Christians could be involved in that. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. Here's the article. On Tuesday, Francis Collins announced he is resigning from the National Institute of Health. Collins has long been celebrated by evangelical influencers, and upon his departure, uh, those praising him included Russell Moore, Tim Keller, and David French. By the way, I'll stop here. If you go to Woke Preacher Clips, they have a clip of Rick Warren praising Francis Collins because they met when they were both speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos. I kid you not. This is from like 2009. And Rick Warren just praising Francis Collins. He's not partisan, which is, I mean, this is what these guys covet, is the being known as accomplished in the world, not partisan, balanced, you know, third way type stuff, but still hanging on to some kind of a Christian leadership position. 
And so, I mean, Francis Collins is like the poster child for this. So, all right, let's keep going. The well-credentialed evangelicals who populate urban churches, like Keller's, have been taught to aspire to a faithful presence in elite institutions, and Collins is often viewed as epitomizing this. He succeeded not just at an elite level, but in a scientific world, a domain where Christians have particularly hard time gaining respect. Yet Collins' record over his 12 years atop the NIH shows serious and repeated moral compromises. That he continues to be praised as a model of elite adjacent evangelicals suggests that what matters is the presence in elite circles far more than faithfulness to any clear Christian moral standard. Bingo. That line right there. That's exactly true. What do these people value? What do the elite evangelicals, the social justice evangelicals, what do they value? What is important to them? Being a presence, being part of the group, being part of the in crowd, having a seat at the table. It's not really about having a being taking moral stands that are um, th- that are actually costly. It's about still being a Christian, but also being part of the in crowd. Let's keep going. Collins's most troubling action was his explicit defense in 2018 of research using fetal tissue from aborted babies and the NIH's 2021 resumption of such research under his leadership after a 2019 moratorium. This August, documents were released revealing that under his watch, the NIH had given at least $2.7 million to researchers who sought out aborted babies with a high quota of minorities to harvest their organs. And elite adjacent evangelicals have departed from traditionally, by the way, I'm going to stop right there. Um, if you really care, right, about black lives, if this is something that really is important to you, you really mean what you, what you say, you know, you, is in your heart about BLM and all that, you would be going after Francis Collins. He would be on the hit list. He's not. He's on the, the list of people who are rewarded. I'm just saying, just saying, these social justice advocates are the biggest hypocrites in the world. As the lead adjacent evangelicals have departed from traditionally conservative positions on many political and cultural issues, notably those related to race and deemed and de-emphasized others involving sexuality, abortion has remained the one they have typically taken a purist stand on. Even when they downplayed legal prohibition, most emphasized strong personal op- opposition to abortion, typically including derivatives like embryonic stem cell research. Thus, Collins's actions on this issue reflect a direct betrayal on one issue. Christians in these elite circles can point to where they retain a distinctively Christian ethical position. He's absolutely right. Collins broke the cardinal rule. You're not supposed to be pro-choice or pro-abortion or um, anything in under that umbrella. But Collins is still praised. Given Collins' compromise on abortion, it's unsurprising he also followed secular trends on sexuality. Here he did not just preside over institutional actions, but personally embraced the language of the sexual left. In a June 2021 letter, Collins wrote that the NIH joins in celebrating Pride Month and recognizing the struggle stories and victories of those who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and others under the sexual and gender minority umbrella. I applaud the courage and resilience it takes for individuals to live openly and authentically. Let's stop there. That word authentically, that's a weasel word that we hear today a lot. Well, as long as they're being authentic. You know what? Sinners can be pretty authentic and it's pretty wrong. And for Francis Collins to do this, he's praising the, I mean, it's so open-ended, but what kind of victories is he talking about? What kind of achievements? What kind of barriers being broken? He's talking about the Obergefell decision. He's talking about um, the permissions to um, do pride marches and things like this. I mean, at the very least. 
It's hard to see, Nate Fisher continues, how a faithful Christian can personally write this. That evangelical influencers continue to praise Collins as he committed these actions suggests there are few compromises with the establishment they would not tolerate for the sake of worldly status. Collins' failure and the way they were often overlooked by prominent Christians reveal broader flaws in the approach such people have taken to elite careers and cultural influence. This approach, reflected in James Davidson Hunter's 2010 book, To Change the World, and Keller's 2012 book, Every Good Endeavor, tends to celebrate prestigious careers while discouraging conflict over moral and cultural issues. This presence at elite levels was often portrayed as allowing Christians to do more to exert real influence in these circles and institutions than the more provocative approaches evangelicals have been known for. Yet, more recent assessments suggest that Christians' influence uh, Christian influence, this approach was supposed to manifest, has not been realized. Okay, so he's saying, look, this is the whole strategy. The whole thing, Tim Keller and all these guys are trying to do, Russell Moore, is like we're going to subversively come in. We're going to go to these elite uh, sections, these elite powerful circles. We're going to infiltrate them, and then people are going to want to become Christians because they're going to want to look at us, and they're going to say, man, I like that guy. That guy's a Boy Scout. He's a clean cut. Look how good his life is. Look at how accomplished he is. I mean, he's just got it all. Uh, we're, you know, we like him, his personality, the force of his personality, um, will become Christians and that's how we're going to influence. And Nate Fisher saying, yeah, did that work out? Didn't work. Timothy Dalrymple, the publisher of Christianity Today, wrote a piece describing these urban church Christians as more likely to live on the margins of power than those who took older evangelical approaches to politics and influence. He followed up by nothing that, despite their, by noting that despite their often elite careers and status, these Christians lack political and cultural influence. Cultural trends, especially in the circles in which these Christians live and work, suggests Dal Ripple is correct. Collins spent decades participating in evangelical conversations about faith and influence and reached the pinnacle of his field. That even with such power, he bent to secular morality instead of bending the NIH to Christian morality reflects the elite-adjacent evangelical culture where theoretical influence is celebrated, but accommodation to secular demands becomes the norm. This reflects the emphasis of the faithful presence narrative popular among such Christians. Discussions typically focus on the elite presence, but place little emphasis on the actual use of power in such roles, and offered few clear lines for the limits of acceptable compromises. While this accommodation has helped achieve the desired status in elite circles, it has not conveyed the Christian influence that was often described as its ultimate purpose. Mission drift. This is called mission drift. So you have um, a purpose, but you get derailed, and the, the new purpose is the means by which you were going to accomplish the purpose. So you know, you were going to drive to the store to pick up something, right? And the means to get there is you're in your car, you're driving, you're on the road. But suddenly the purpose in your mind becomes being on the road in your car. And that's, that's you're just taking a drive, right? That, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, the, the means by which to accomplish this influence became the purpose altogether. In Collins' case, I'm continuing with what Nate Fisher said here, the result was actually grimmer than simple failure to achieve impact. As head of the NIH, Collins played a role in institutional actions, including funding fetal organ harvesting. Through a career celebrated as a shining example of faithful presence, he became an active participant in a grotesque evil. It is clear Christians need more robust models for how to address politics and culture and how to use power. This is part of American reformers' mission. But for Christians who do not embrace doctrines that actually prepare them to fight against evils in the institutions they help lead, perhaps it's better for the sake of their souls they do, that they do not even venture in to these institutions. Nate Fisher, American Reformer, excellent article and 100% true. That's exactly what we need to be thinking about now. 
having a personal relationship with Jesus or saying that you do at least, saying that you signed a card, whatever the case may be, isn't enough to to be in these highly compromised environments. You got to have a backbone of steel and you'll probably be fired pretty quickly into it if you actually retain some of your Christian convic- convictions in some of these circles. I'm not saying they've all they're all gone, but a lot of them are. A lot of the you get to the higher levels it is very difficult. And so uh, if you do not have that backbone of steel, if you're not a Daniel, better don't even go there. Know, know your limitations. That's what, what Clint East would always say that, right? A man's got to know his limitations. I don't even know where he said that, but I just, for some reason in my mind, just uh, had a vision of Clint Eastwood saying, a man's got to know his limitations. But it's true for Christians right now. We've got to know our limitations and how strong we are. I mean, if you have a weakness for money and power, uh, that's that's strong enough to make you compromise your convictions. Don't don't get into these fields, um, or don't go as high up on the ladder. That you know, um, and and look, um, I think I, I hope and think there are Christians who are willing to take stands and are willing to take uh, personal risks. Um, we need that. We need Christians who are willing to do that. In fact, I was just thinking recently about. You know, politics is such a dirty game. Who wants to be in it? But we need Christians in it. So especially on the local level, if you're a Christian and you say, I don't like politics, you're probably one of the people that most needs to be involved in it. But the higher you go, the more compromised things can get. And Francis Collins is an example of this. Let him be an example to all of us. He got to a certain level and um, there was a lot of compromise going on at the very least, a lot of moral compromise. What use is it to be an evangelical? What use is it to be a Christian? if you're not going to behave like one. So I uh, wanted to just throw that out there, something to chew on, something to think about, and uh, to to consider whether or not there are some places where Christians should not be involved, or if they are of a certain temperament or a certain level of strength, maybe they shouldn't be involved. And, um, and, and, and then also just to uh, ponder whether or not the primary way that evangelicals are quote-unquote engaging culture is actually the right way or the biblical way to do it. Uh, So there you go. Hope that was helpful for you. I'm going to go enjoy some fall foliage and uh, we will talk later. Bye now. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.